Have you had your soup today? And the cold, crisp taste of Coke is so satisfying, it keeps me from eating something else that might really add those pounds. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. Welcome to another episode of Sheologians. We're here today to put the her in peppermint. Oh, okay. It's My there. favorite birthday gift that I got this year. And um, I don't remember what I got this year except for this one thing because my brain's not working. So it's currently my favorite. Was a big fat bottle of peppermint oil. Oh, very I nice. have just, I have just been slathering. I oh. have been, it's in my all purpose cleaner. It's in my diffuser. It's in, it's on my neck right now. Yeah. I've been drinking it with water diluted, obviously. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, And my entire room, everybody, my entire family keeps coming up here to my room and they're like, Wow. It smells amazing in here. And I can't smell a thing because I'm so congested and ill. <laughs> but I just feel happy knowing that my entire everything is just leaking peppermint right now. Yeah, you pretty much can't go wrong with no. peppermint as a gift. No. That stuff is just useful for so much. I just I mean, I guess it. maybe there's some ladies that would be like, Yeah, this, this is somebody's but, worst nightmare, but right. Not mine. But if if they if if you're looking for a gift for someone who makes sourdough and that's I mean, really even just that <laughs> peppermint's probably a good idea. <laughs> this stuff is amazing. I I um I was laying in bed all day yesterday because I'm sick and I woke up this morning and my whole body hurt. And I was like, I know it's because I laid in bed all day. Like I know. Right. So I was like, today I'm just going to like get up and like do little things. So what that meant to me was scrubbing my bathroom from top to bottom. Mm. And Mm -hmm. uh, that's when I was like, I'm just going to put peppermint on everything. My sink, my bathtub, just then the in the toilet i don't know this might be an overshare um my bathroom smells amazing is the moral of the story <laughs> anyway it was from the lady who saved you from the very scary cockroach so it was a great gift ah uh, i see okay yes. very nice yeah but um anyway um oh yeah i was going to tell you a funny story that we we were talking beforehand and um I was thinking about how when you are a woman who wants to make things look nice or taste nice, and this is like a new, a new skill to you. So you and I were talking about how, well, I was sharing that like one time I tried to make an image on Canva and I like didn't, when I try to make images, they're just so hideous and ugly. Like I clearly don't, I don't understand what needs to go into a design to make it look nice, which doesn't make sense to me because I can like decorate a room. I can make a room Mm -hmm. look nice. 
So how can I not make an image look nice? I don't know. I don't have the answers, except that it is a skill, right? Like it's a skill, right? Designing images that are pleasing to the eye is an art form that I have not studied and clearly does not come naturally (laughs) to me. (laughs) And I was thinking about how in my early 20s, when I first started being the main person to cook, that something very similar, I did something very, I did something very similar. I did not have any cooking skills. I literally had none. Um, I knew how to microwave a potato and like pizza rolls. And that was really the extent of my knowledge. And so I'm going <laughs> to, I did the same thing with food that I realize I did with the Canva images, which is I did, I didn't understand like how you can have all these good ingredients. And then when you put them together, the end result is not good. Like, why do I have all these great ingredients? But like when they're together, they're bad. So I just, I'm going to share with you very briefly the first pasta I ever made (laughs) because this is what I did. I thought, okay, what kind of noodles do I like? What's my favorite noodle? I just picked all things that I like. I was like, I love a good uh-huh. penne. I love a good penne noodle. Okay. So I get a penne noodle and um, I like chicken. Uh-huh. Um, so I buy a, a chicken breast and I throw it in the oven at 400 for half an hour. <laughs> um. <laughs> There'll be sauce on it at some point. So, you know, maybe. Okay. <laughs> so I cook the noodles. I chop up the essentially chicken jerky, <laughs> mm-hmm. put it on top of the noodles. And then I got um, a sauce, like a jarred sauce that I like. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I figured if I just open the jar and pour it on the hot noodles, it'll get oh, hot. Yeah. It'll warm it up. You don't need to do anything you don't need to actually heat it the noodles will heat it um and then i thought about this time that i had a pasta at an italian restaurant and it was full of different like veggies that were really Uh good there was bell pepper there was broccoli in it it was delicious so i just chopped up roughly chopped up some raw broccoli and some raw bell peppers and i put them in thinking the magical power of the mildly warm sauce would transform the vegetables and the chicken (laughs) and then i what i also knew was that pasta is good when you top it with cheese right um so i just grabbed the cheese that i had and i Mm -hmm. shredded some and it was you know extra sharp cheddar gotcha But it's yep. cheese. Just like they use an authentic Italiano chef's kiss. Mwah. So I topped <laughs> it with that. And then I just stirred it all together. Mm, very because nice. <laughs> in my brain, if you have nothing but delicious ingredients, when you put them all together, assuredly, what you have is a delicious bowl of food. And um, I, it could not have been, as you all already know, just the absolute (laughs) worst 
bowl of pasta that's ever been made in the history of the world. And I didn't understand. Like, I, I couldn't fathom why that didn't work out. But the moral of the story is that cooking is a skill. Designing images is a skill. And just because you have all the right ingredients, it, when they are not put together or prepared in, a, in the right way, the end result is, you know, yeah, horrible. Things can go wrong. Things can go wrong, or at the very least... They do not turn out how you imagine them in your mind. No. Hence the glory of the Pinterest fail. Yes. <laughs> it's like what I imagined in my head. <laughs> what, what I produced. I <laughs> um, yeah. Sometimes, sometimes we are, uh, you know, we just take those moments with humility. Because uh, sometimes when you produce something like that, it's because you told someone, well, I don't see why that's so hard. I think I could probably do that on my own. And then. No, I learned very quickly. <laughs> um, I learned in the first bite that that I had a lot to learn. And, uh, you know, my mom and I come from a long line of women who don't like to cook. So she and I over the last 15 years have really. Yeah we have decided we are going to learn. That's what yeah, we're going to do. Yeah, you guys have done it. You guys have like really stepped it up. We just, we couldn't live like, who could possibly live like that? You guys heard what I just said. Yeah. It's yeah. Well, and the thing is, the thing is, I think what you realize is just that a little bit of skill goes a long way. It's not even that you need a, to go to culinary school, but no. Just a little bit of just a few hot up. tips along the way yeah, will right. change a lot. Like, yeah. And I, I'm still, you know, a, as a stainless steel update for you. I Ooh. have learned Ooh. how to cook eggs and chicken and beef on stainless steel, and it's gone really well. I will say the one thing I have not figured out yet is how to properly clean it. Okay. I already have stains that I have no idea. I've okay. I've read, I've Googled. I, I think they I think they're permanent personally. Yeah. Um, and that's just you know, a part of breaking in your pan, you know. There is like my I have a beautiful blue ceramic pan that I got for Christmas. And I already had the first permanent was actually on the bottom. Um yep. so that's at least a little bit like okay look that's on the bottom but you know they just these things they can't stay beautiful and pristine and out of a pottery barn catalog forever they just no. cannot no but I'm enjoying it I'm enjoying cooking with stainless steel and 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 it's true that I have had to watch many videos on how to do it properly but that's the really cool thing about the internet is that if you really want to true. learn pretty much anything you can so i'm still if you if any of you has the video on how to properly clean the stains i'm there you go feel free to send it my way i haven't found it yet yes. but um you're right it's part of breaking them in and uh they're not gonna stay flawless i have a friend who has a gorgeous Le Creuset dutch oven mm -hmm. and she pretty much was like don't do it don't get one and i yeah. was like why 
because, well, not that I can afford one, but I mean, I really want one because they're beautiful and I want a big bread right. and a beautiful Dutch oven. Yeah. That just sounds like a fun thing to do. Uh, and she was like, don't, even if you get one used, don't get it because they just get so destroyed. Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah. I'm, still, I'm still on the fence. I kind, I kind of, I still want one and maybe that's foolish, but for display, it's like an art piece. It's pretty. It's like, I don't use it. I I bake the bread, and then for pictures, I transfer the bread into the Le Creuset <laughs> Dutch oven. Yeah. Well, the only way I would be able to afford one is to get a used one anyway. So I'm like, I might as yeah. well, and then just really put the miles on it, put those bread yeah. miles on it. They have a lot of hacks, like uh, dupes. Hacks is not the right word. Dupes, though, too. That for the um, Lakers, there's a few. Yeah, there's a few yeah. companies that are trying to keep up with yeah. them for less money. Which I mean, I'm a Lakers fan, so don't let me. Are you? Or do you have one that you? you love? I don't. I don't have one, but okay. I would. Uh, but you would yeah is the moral yes, of the story i would yeah. you would i would too <laughs> i would um for sure yeah i get those i mean i don't know how those ladies have like 10 different ones i don't know how they did that like what choices they made in their life but they married a I'm, finance I mean, bro right whatever good for you way to go that's get right all the colors of the rainbow <laughs> enjoy them enjoy them um so this week is our last week in that hideous strength. And we are going to be joined live in book club by Christiana Hale, who wrote what I believe is the book on the Ransom Trilogy that we kind of used alongside all three it's books. It's so good, you guys. It's the, called Deeper the trilogy, Heaven. The trilogy, Deeper Heaven. Um... You know, like, I'm just saying, there's going to be, you guys didn't, you guys missed out. Whoever didn't join us for book club, you missed out. And that's fine because sometimes you have to miss out. You can't make everything. But I'm just saying, keep that in mind. Yes. <laughs> for our next book clubs. Well, and if you're sorry that you missed out, all of our live discussions are available to you. If you join patreon.com slash theologians, you can go back and catch up if you want. And like I said, we are going to have Christi Christiana Hale joining us for book club this week. That happens on Wednesdays at 1.30 Arizona time. Use the Google to find out what time that is for you because I have no idea and I'll never know. I'll never know. <laughs> um, don't trust me on that one. Uh, but we are starting our next round of book club uh, on, I believe, March 6th. Is that correct? Yes. yes. March 6th, we are going to be coming together and reading Rosaria Butterfield's Five Lies of Our Anti-Christian Age. I have been hyping this one up to you guys for a year. Um, I was mm -hmm. so happy to be able to... Um, endorse the book and read it before it was published. So I have been trying to get you guys to buy it. And this next round of book club is us trying to get you to buy it because it's an excellent book and we are super excited. So if you want to join book club, because you guys keep asking me every week, 
you can join at patreon.com slash theologians. That is how we support the show. So even if you don't want to join book club, but you just like the show, consider signing up there um, and consider joining us because book club is a really good time. And there's a lot of really fun people there. Um, and I'm not talking about join. I am talking about the other right. people. Seriously. <laughs> yeah. You guys. And every once in a while, we, I mean, in my personal opinion, we always read good books, but Every once in a while, we read a life-changing book, and um, you will be hearing us talk about the Ransom Trilogy for For a long time. Yes, until we come to the next book. Um, That's right. So, yeah, we we kind of have our, the eras of Sheologians partially defined by certain book club reads. So it's a part of our history. That's right. (laughs) That's right. um, It is. It's a part of our history. And um, I'm really glad that we did it. And that was entirely Joy's fault because I was ready to stop after Out of the Silent Planet. And she was like, no. And and sometimes, you know, that's iron sharpening iron. Sometimes you need your friends to to encourage you to do something (laughs) that you don't feel like doing. And um, yes, I'm really thankful that Hideous Strength is one of my favorite books now, for sure. Yeah. So yeah. Excellent. Um, so great. So good. Uh, you guys can leave us a voicemail at 470-465-0475. And um, I'm so glad that it is your turn to tell a story because I can hear just how <laughs> much my voice is not great this week. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I am. Uh, I'm glad that. I'm glad it worked out this way because then you didn't have to tell a story this week. And then next week I'm happy to, I'm we're doing like a little class through church. That's I guess like a teaching, it's a teaching class, but it's not a like pastoral teaching class. So um, just to be clear that way, in case anyone's like, why is joy attending a teaching class at her church? So anyway, so we're going to be putting together like a little 10 minute talk and I'm already just, I'm like, no, nope. I need to focus on that because good, I can't seem to do anything halfway. Um, and this was just, you know, sometimes I struggle figuring out what kind of story that I want to tell you guys. Um, yep. And I just didn't, I didn't struggle this time I found one I've already known like I've known about it and I it was just like no this is the perfect one this is the one okay uh though I did I very briefly contemplated telling the story um a Titanic story which is the story of the PCP laced chowder on the set of the Titanic movie because they had a there was some like everyone ate this clam chowder for dinner one night and somebody on the set laced it with PCP and they never found out who it was and everyone freaked out. (laughs) Not everyone, but everyone um, who ate it and everyone who ate the PCP (laughs) freaked out, but it turns out that that that's really the extent of the story (laughs) because they don't, they still have no idea who did it. But anyway, um, I mean, that's horrible. Like, it's I don't know terrible. why you're laughing. That's really like a total it's nervous laughter against people. Like, nervous laughter. It's not funny. No. Um, though I think they laugh about it from the interviews that I read. They laugh about it now. Um, 
I mean, I what Bill can pa- you do? I think Bill Paxton was probably the most famous person to accidentally take PCP via clam chowder. Clam chowder. Anyway. And this is why you don't eat clam chowder, you guys. <laughs> Ew. Oh, it's funny because earlier you were like, I know how to cook beef. I know how to cook chicken. That was going to be like, and nobody asked her about fish because it's not necessary for her to learn how to cook it. (laughs) I did for the record. My husband expressed at some point last year that he would like some salmon. And I was like, okay, I, I know that of all the sea creatures that I've eaten, that salmon is the least offensive. So I found a recipe, followed the recipe, I cooked it. And I will say that everyone in my family, including my husband, really enjoyed it. And I hated every second of it. And Okay. Okay. And uh, yeah. I, I would say if you don't it. like well-prepared salmon, you probably just don't like fish. I don't like fish. <laughs> I like to see them alive and swimming and that's where I think they should stay (laughs) alive and swimming until nature (laughs) takes them. Okay. Okay. They're all eating each other. So it's not as if you're against the death of fish because the ocean is a brutal place, but I'm against the death of fish for my sake. (laughs) I don't want them. I don't want them in me at all. Nothing. No, thank you. Anyway, okay. Okay. All right. Well, I shall begin our story. Yes. Um, So when I picked this case, um, I didn't pick it because it was in Phoenix, but it does take place in Phoenix, in Arizona. So that's always interesting. Um, I love Phoenix, Arizona. I I I don't know what you're about to tell me. But I love it here. <laughs> well, you know, we'll see. <laughs> this, I yeah, we can talk about it. <clears throat> um, okay, so the story that I am going to tell you today starts on uh, December 25th, 2006. That would be Christmas, 2006. Um, both of us graduated in 2007, so kind of seniors in high school um, yeah so for those of us who like I'm not super good at timelining but 2007 I always know that one (laughs) sometimes and then but sometimes something is just way too far it's like oh that's five years from when I graduated high school it's like yeah no joy you gotta find some more you gotta find some more pegs on the timeline (laughs) when anybody talks about anything past 2007 I have no idea I'm like was I 17 was I 23 I have zero clue when people talk about 2014 I'm like don't know her never met her who was she then what was 2014 could you pull up a picture to tell to prove to me that I existed in 2014 I won't believe you (laughs) Okay. So anyway, um, so Christmas 2006, the police, uh, the Phoenix police respond to the shared home of Heather Kwan and Ryan Waller. So they're a couple who had moved, they had moved into the home like a month before the incident occurred. 
the oh actually i'm sorry sorry to we've already interrupted this story so many times but i'm just gonna say i got this information from his police ryan waller's police interrogation which is on youtube you can watch it in its entirety plus with tons of commentary anyway um and then there is a specific youtube documentary that interviews his dad plus some other like official paperwork and reports and stuff like that so that's where i got this information from um anyway there's some varying information on this case but we can discuss why that is at the very end okay so uh the 911 call was made by ryan's father uh shortly before 8 p.m so it's christmas day he had been expecting ryan and heather for christmas dinner and when they didn't show up he had been calling them um and eventually he went to their house and was knocking and there was no answer so that's when he called for a wellness check um so hours later a police officer arrives at the house for a wellness check um i think it was like around 10 some of the timeline is a little bit off but um according to the dad it was right around 10 they had left for a period of time just because they knew the cops weren't going to be there right away um but so uh 10 o'clock they get the, the police arrive to do a wellness check and his parents are there so his dad is there um and an, an, an additional hour was spent getting a search warrant despite the police officer claiming to have potentially seen a body when looking in a window um so there was just some like weird stuff to begin with like if it, that's stressful it might be a little different state to state but in in arizona especially it's very much the cop cops are given a lot of freedom to regulate themselves and to determine if a situation needs to be anyway so um so they called for so they got the search warrant and then they spent more time calling a police locksmith and instead of just breaking down the door i don't know why um he couldn't get in the front door so he went to the back door and start working on it when all of a sudden ryan opens the door the back door and there's like a heli- police op- helicopter bunch of cop cars like there is a hull blue outside and ryan just opens the door so um this could not be ryan more had, red flags this is just yeah. so okay. so ryan had clearly been in a fight of some kind he had a fair amount of injuries to his face and then he had a pretty severe black eye you can also see you can see it in his interrogation but you can also see the pictures that uh, the police took he wasn't booked and arrested but he was interrogated as a suspect so they had like a picture of his face and it's a bad it's a bad black eye like i don't have a medical background but i would assume like something's broken just based off of the amount of swelling and everything definitely can't see anything through that eye for sure oh it's like swelled shut all right so i'm seeing like um, rocky and i'm seeing sylvester swell okay yeah definitely when i say pretty severe black eye like uh, i would think as bad of a black eye as you can really get okay um 
unfortunately and very sadly, Heather was no longer alive. Okay. Um, she was sitting on the couch and she had been shot. Okay. So did you say this is his girlfriend or his wife? Yeah, his girlfriend. Okay. They're not married. And they have been dating. So um Ryan had graduated. He graduated 2006 and it's December. So it said they had been dating for about it might have been a little longer, but it seems like she was a little older than him, but it seems like they graduated started dating and then a month before all this happened they had moved in together so they hadn't even really been living together for all that long but um so ryan was immediately handcuffed yeah and he sat in the back of a police car for about four hours okay yeah why so and so for some for some of this his father was actually there at the scene obviously he had they removed like pushed him way far down the street him and his mom and um eventually it was like uh, nothing's happening here so we're just gonna go home and like wait till we get a call about something anyway so he's finally taken to the station and interrogated as a suspect He's read his Miranda rights and everything, but he's not under arrest. So, um, but the interrogation, like I said, you can watch the whole thing is very weird. Um, the cop is like asking him different questions, asking him what's the furthest level of education he received. And he says he left school after eighth grade, but he just recently graduated high school. Um, he says he was born in Michigan, but he was actually born in arizona um okay. he says that heather heather isn't his girlfriend that heather is eric's girlfriend who and it eric okay and it seems like it like kind of seems like he doesn't know her even um he says that the injuries to his face for from heather that she hit him but it was an accident um he also starts talking about another girl named Christina. And then he starts talking, then he's saying he doesn't know another girl named Alicia, which actually he does know her because he's their roommate. She's their roommate. <laughs> so three people live in this house, Heather, sadly deceased, um, Ryan and Alicia, but he's saying he doesn't know Alicia. He's saying, Richie and his dad broke into the house and they hit him in the face. Then he Who's says Richie? that Rich, right. So people are just like, he's just talking about a lot of people. It's weird. Um, he, Richie and his dad broke into the house. And so they shot him with bow, with a bow and arrow. And then he says that they shot, they had a revolvers and they shot him and Heather. Um, then he says that Heather's dad is the one that shot. Oh, okay. Um, so he, he keeps reiterating how tired he is. He just wants to go home. He, uh, it's, it's a, it's the weirdest 
interview you will watch or interrogation you'll watch. Um, so he's interrogated for an hour or so and um, the interrogation ends when the interrogating officer asks the fire department to check this kid out. Um, and because he's clearly not okay. <laughs> like you're getting this from the, it's pretty apparent uh, that he's not okay. And uh, he definitely was not okay. But so the police department checked him out and ended the interrogation because they sent him to the hospital um, because uh, Ryan had indeed been shot in the face. And uh, he was severely injured and had a serious uh, traumatic brain injury during this interrogation. So what the police officer was perceiving as him being evasive and not wanting to take responsibility was actually him being having a traumatic very, brain injury. Yes. Very badly injured, very badly injured. Um, at one point, even the interrogating officer was like, if you had been, cause he said like, he shot me in the face, he shot us in our faces. And the officer's like, if you had been shot in the face with a revolver, you would not be sitting here talking to me. Well, the officer was wrong. <laughs> he definitely had been shot in the face. Um, and this poor kid just, he sat in the back of a police car for four hours. Mm. He was interrogated. I mean, he was interrogated for an hour and this, um, he really needed medical, he attention. really needed medical attention. Um, and he did not get it. So, mm. um, so basically from Ryan's dad's point of view, he sees his son sitting in the back handcuffed in the back of a cop car. And then around 7am the day after Christmas, um, he gets a call from St. Joseph's that uh, telling him that Ryan's in critical condition and he has a bullet in his brain. Oh, oh my goodness. No. Yeah. And so the dad's just like, um, what like i saw him sitting in the back of a cop car. how was that how could that right how could that be um so they couldn't they couldn't operate for several days because of an infection that had set in which would definitely happen um in the i mean i'm not if you're like squeamish these photos are not they're not that bad when you consider someone's been shot in the face, which is why this whole horrible, um, well, at, at the very least, it was a misunderstanding, right? Um, and, uh, but you so see, you, it doesn't look, they're not horribly graphic, but you can kind of tell that like the bullet kind of went in like through his sinus kind of in a way. And so apparently some bacteria that was in there Spread. And so he wasn't able to have his life-saving operation for a few days, but he, so he had a bullet in his head. He had, they found six eye socket fragments. He had a fractured skull 
And then he had another like non-penetrating bullet wound more on the back of his head. So he had been shot twice. Um, and he had a broken jaw. Wow. Which like, so. It's a miracle that he's alive. Right. Much less that he was sitting and talking. And when you look at the, when you, when you watch the interrogation, it is so clear. Something's not okay. Yeah. Um, And clearly this, I mean, I'll save my opinions on certain things till the end. (laughs) Okay, good. But, um, okay. But so Ryan was in the hospital for 35 days and no one from the police department contacted him in any way for further questioning, which I get why they were like, nobody go near this kid because clearly certain protocols weren't happening. Certain assumptions were made and um, we got it. We're on damage control now. That's what our position is. But I also just have to say that if he wasn't the killer and the attempted killer, that means there is a murderer running around and you like, it seems important to ask him something. Yeah. Ask him some questions or something like that. Um, So yeah, just seems like the type of case that you'd want to solve just a random young person to two young people just getting randomly murdered and attempted murdered. Um, So a few days after Ryan came home, the police interviewed him again. Uh, This time they did not interrogate him. And that police officer that had originally done so was long gone. Um, And uh, he like had, well, it was claimed that he had had a family emergency, <laughs> but <laughs> I don't know how true that is. I also don't know that it's not true, but I do think he probably was not allowed Life emergency. or would he have wanted to <laughs> be involved in this case for uh, not a second more. Um, so, uh, so, uh, so a few days after he came home, the police interviewed him and a few days after that, the police arrested a man named Richie Carver. And another several days later, they arrested Larry Carver, Richie's dad, dad. who was turned in by his wife. Okay. Um, and so basically the case was solved very quickly after they interviewed their singular witness that didn't have a bullet in his brain. That was very important to the interview. Uh, that would lead to solving the case. Wouldn't you know it? <laughs> Wouldn't you know it? That just very important <laughs> detail. <laughs> um, so, okay. So, Richie Carver was a previous tenant in the home that Ryan and Heather and Alicia were renting. Okay. So here's where we get into some of the, it was very helpful to listen to the interview with the dad because the dad was reaching out to media sources because a lot of information was wrong because it was based off of the interrogation and the interrogation was a 
nightmare of a traumatic brain injury. So some of the stuff he said was true, but some of it, he like switched details. He was having aphasia. So he was like saying certain words, but meaning other words. Um, And then the, the, the detective is making like the, the officer who interrogated him is making, asking him questions and then he's saying yes, like even though it's not true. So at one point it had been repeat, it had been reported that Richie had been a previous roommate of Ryan, but that was not the case. Like they didn't, they knew each other so briefly, as much as you would know the previous person who lived in the house that you're renting. Which um, is honestly too much because that poor girl right. texts me every week to tell me about <laughs> mail that I have at her house. <laughs> Like I need to go there this weekend (laughs) (laughs) anyway. (laughs) Yeah. So, so they were not friends. They were not buddies, nothing. Um, So, uh, and then of course, Richie's dad, Larry. So Richie had, they both had just records going back forever. They sound like a lovely pair of domestic situations. Richie had a record going back. So he was 24 at the time of when he murdered uh, Heather and attempted to murder Ryan. And he had um, just like back into middle school. This kid had a record. He had um, he'd been out of jail for a year and a half ish. And he had stopped a car at an intersection and stabbed a man to steal his wallet and CDs. There, I forget exactly what the quote was, but there was some, at some point in his youth, he had seen a psychologist who said that he had the same, like basically the same mental thought process that went into him taking a drink of water was the same, was what it took for him to hurt himself or other people like this kid was he was a troubled sinful i mean and and, his dad too apparently so we know where he got it from yes clearly he had not i mean this is sort of the culture he'd been raised in but certainly this kid was uh i don't know the wicked wicked is that a good word evil yes yes um so yeah so what had happened is that um, Christmas night between 5 and 8 p.m. That's what they keep saying in like all the documentation. They say 5 to 8. I'm assuming it was closer to 5 considering they missed Christmas. They were missed at Christmas dinner. I'm like, I don't. Yeah. Anyway, um, so they like popped up the sliding glass door in the back. And they entered the premises to steal stuff that they had seen being moved in. Um, And in the process, they shot Ryan and Heather twice. Um, Just to steal, what, TVs, couches, for real? Yeah. And they, honestly, it seemed, they made it sound like Heather was just, sleeping on the couch or watching tv like there was no there was no fight there was no don't take our stuff there was no nothing it was just 
I mean, yeah, just for the some guitars and some whatever. Just anyway. Wow. So uh, Richie and Larry were both sentenced to life without parole. There was this weird little, weird little interesting tidbit because because Larry had been turned in by his wife, which they speculated that she had seen that Richie, their son, was going down for this. And she turned the dad in because she was like, you're just going to let our son take the fall for this thing that you did. Anyway, um, real charmer, because after that, she decided that she was actually going to like go back on turning him in and that she was going to reserve her right to not testify against your spouse, which actually created a law called Heather's law after this Heather in this story that, um, that, that basically in certain circumstances of severe violent crime, it, it makes it so that a spouse can't refuse to testify against their, their other spouse their yeah so i did yeah that's interesting yeah and i don't know i don't know what like if that's still active and obviously we're just talking about arizona here so um it kind of all differs but i don't know i just thought that was interesting Um, so did she she, end up having to testify yes she did end up having to because of that stipulation that was added heather's law and so then he, that was when, that was when he, Larry was sentenced to life without the possibility of parole. So that was drawn out. Larry's was drawn out more than Richie's. Richie's was very straightforward and he just was pretty much just like, okay, you're going away. You're not getting out. Um, <clears throat> so I wish this, oh man, I wish this had a better ending, but uh, so Richie survived of course, but he had, they had to remove one of his eyes Wait, you mean uh, not Richie? Oh, no, uh, Richie. Ryan. Ryan. Yes, the victim, not the perpetrator. Um, so he survived, but he he was missing an eye, and he had serious... Uh, I mean, if you've ever known anyone with a traumatic brain injury, his dad compared him to an Alzheimer's patient, just asking the same questions all the time, not ever remembering anything um and he also had he suffered with regular seizures uh one of which led to a brain bleed that took his life just a little over 10 years after the attack yeah so and at that point because it was due to the attack that he had these seizures his family was given the option to add charges to richie and larry Um, because he had, of course, ultimately died due to their attack. They had decided not to do that just because they didn't want to enter into another trauma, trauma upon trauma. Right. And at this point, like Ryan is gone, which is horrible. And both Richie and Larry are gone for they're put away. For life without the possibility of parole and so i think they just were like we need to be this is just more than 
then we need to to deal with so yeah yeah um so and i think like well a big part of the story is of course the fact that he was delayed treatment and sat in police custody whether in the back of a police car or in an interrogation room for such a long time without receiving any medical treatment um so i think that's the main reason why the 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 documentary that i watched that interviews the dad takes a very strong stance against the officer names him over and over and over again um just rips this guy to shreds oh. and i don't i i mean i think he's i think they're responsible i think the police are because they have a harder job and because of what their job is they actually you know it's one of those things you're more responsible the more power you have um you the more responsibility you have there we go spider-man um (laughs) but yeah so um there was a lot they sued they had sued the the uh phoenix police department and um there was a bunch because of this case there were a bunch of uh, there was a bunch of Protocols. inquests and like okay. they, the police department were, they were looked into and investigated and specifically this officer, of course. But um, yeah, it was just, they really, the police response was to very much like pull away. It was about admitting the least amount of responsibility possible. They went as far as to, alter the timeline of the uh, of the event itself um they so this is why this is another reason why some of the details vary because actually if you go online a lot of places will say that this all happened december 23rd of 2006 and that's because um that was the revised timeline that the police departments put forward because they had ordered Heather and Ryan had ordered a pizza on the evening of December 23rd. And so that was the technically the last time anyone had seen them before the event. So they were trying to say that the event had actually occurred on the evening of the 23rd, because then after a few days of having a traumatic injury, a few hours of failing to provide medical attention doesn't seem like a, that big of a deal. Right. So how do we know that that's not what happened? Um, it's not what, it's not what Ryan said happened. It's not what there is. There is a testimony from the roommate that in my opinion is a little confusing. Um, but she seems to think it was all, also would have happened on the 25th. The dad hung out with his son most of the day on the 23rd and then he left. And it's like, if you think about it, like, so he hung out with his dad doing a remodel in their bathroom most of the day on the 23rd. So then what? They don't talk one day and then he's expecting them for Christmas, Christmas dinner the next day. It's like, I'm not, I don't need to call it. Like, it's very, it's very reasonable that you would go one day without talking to a son or daughter. Um, and just the wounds 
this this the state of his wounds and her wounds originally her autopsy said her date of death was the 25th but the 23rd was added as another alternate possible date after the fact um and there was the the officer that did the interrogation he there was multiple instances and depositions where he had just lied um and he was of course asked a lot about like what's the protocol if someone you're interrogating has injuries um so right just so kind of the um there was no like even in the pictures that you can see that the the police took it's not scabbed it's not like I just I also just don't know how he would have survived. It was already a miracle that he right. survived. Right. Um, yeah. And so. Um, and Yeah. And there was a roommate. I just feel like if it had happened on the 23rd and she had come home any other day, then she would have been like, oh, that's weird. There's two bed people here anyway right, right. Um, and so it was kind of a weird because she actually came home after it had happened the murder and the attempted murder had happened but based off of just like the layout it's kind of confusing but the layout of the house was so that if she just came in the house and went straight to her room she wouldn't have seen anything but if she had hung out multiple days in the house she would have seen she would have found heather in the living room watching tv like so anyway um uh it's just it's very interesting i kind of understand i i don't know like i'm not i think that i'm not like anti-cop i am for whoever's responsible taking responsibility so if that means just like i am for richie taking responsibility and being i mean I don't think he got the penalty that he should, but that's not how our country does things these days. Right. Um, but he just like, he took responsibility for what he did. I think it's important that, that everyone who could have done better <laughs> take responsibility. Um, but so one other thing that I was going to say is that, um, so you know how the interrogation ended when the officer had the fire department come in and check him out well he had lied he had the officer lied in in deposition just about how all that went down he was clearly trying to build a case that he just didn't realize how and you know what i don't i really don't think he did realize how injured ryan was and i think really any of us would have if someone said, yeah, I was shot in the, the eye earlier, I'd be like, you, you're not going to be sitting here talking to me if you've been shot in the it's eye. Hard That's to not happening. Right. This is a very weird set of circumstances. Um, but uh, one of the men from the fire department, he was, Ryan, they're taking him, they're transferring him to the hospital out of this interrogation and um ryan's like where are we going like i want to go home where are we going and um one of the firemen says we're going to the hospital 
you look like you got shot in the face. And so, I mean, you could chalk that up to just police officers don't have medical training, like a firefighter. Many of them have, have EMT certifications or have done clip. I mean, you're talking about serious medical training. Um, police officers don't have that. Obviously a lot of them have experience to where if uh, like it could have been a diff if it had been a different interrogating officer, they would have been like, this guy is talking word salad. He is not making sense. He keeps saying he's tired and wants to go to sleep. Right. When at, at first, when the police officer asked, what's the highest, like, what's the highest level of education? Like, what's your highest grade? Eight, right. He said, he said, first he said eighth grade. And then he said, B, the letter B. Christina, who he mentioned, is not a real person. She doesn't exist. She's not anyone that they know that exists. <laughs> like this. Yeah, I, it's unfortunate. It's really unfortunate that it happened. But I do think ultimately what it comes down to is that there is a protocol in place um, for even if you are a suspect of a crime, even if you are wholly and thoroughly guilty there still is a protocol for you to receive medical care before you get interrogated. Um, and the whole point of that is so that you can um, receive any necessary life-saving medical care. And you know what, honestly, even if he had done it, I'm pretty sure an interrogation where you have a bullet in your head, it gets thrown out in court, in court. Like there's no way a lawyer, even your basic <laughs> lawyer is not getting that thrown out. Like it's, so even if you had gotten some right. kind of confession, um, I, yeah, I just, I, yeah, I think that, uh, unfortunately this cop just assumed he was being evasive because he was guilty. Um, the other thing is that the officer, or the the dad is very i mean he's convinced that the reason ryan's jaw was broken was because the police broke his jaw um oh. yeah it was just it was just bad and like i i don't know you like even when i describe the situation to you you're like red flags red flags everywhere i mean who generally who if a girl is died has died and has yep. been killed who did it her boyfriend husband yes whoever and he's alive and awake and moving around the house yeah and she's not it's like but at some point i think it should have been clear that he was not okay no um and if you think well it would be easy to know that based off of what you know now uh, definitely watch the interrogation it doesn't seem he's not okay he's not right um but uh but yeah and i don't know i don't again i'm not like i'm not looking to i'm not telling this story to incite some sort of anti-police i just think that yeah that uh the response to it lacked taking some responsibility which i think is why people kind of latch on to these stories and they want they we 
we want police officers to be accountable for what they do. I want everyone to be accountable for what they do. And you know what? They will be. But, um, but yeah, yeah, I think that's so my takeaway just, of just like, what, how would I feel as Ryan Waller's parents? And, you know, if they're not Christians, like what hope could they have in that horrible situation? And I'm just like, I had to have this shift in my mindset years ago. I'm so sorry. I sound like this, everybody just laugh at it, (laughs) just laugh at it and move along. Um, but just thinking about how in a non-Christian worldview, like this is just a tragedy and there's like, no, there's no, there's nothing there's no hope here. Right. But it's like, if you're a Christian, you ultimately, you, you have no need when there is no earthly justice that you get to see you're, you know, and you can trust God for justice that he will, he will do. And he will, he, he will deal out justice in eternity. Like, it's not the end of the story. Like, if there, if you just hear these hopeless stories where it's like, there's just tragedy, justice doesn't happen. It's like, well, justice hasn't happened yet. Like, it hasn't right. happened yet. It will happen. And God is the one who, aven- who avenges. And so it's like, when I, you're talking about like, who's responsible, who's accountable. It's like, yeah, the, the system is so broken. We don't operate on God's law anymore. Justice would have been not putting these two guys in jail for the rest of their lives, but putting them to death. Right. Um, meanwhile, I'm I'm paying for their dinner tonight, right? Yeah. As a taxpayer right. in Phoenix. Mm-hmm. Um, it's creepy to think they're not that far from me right now. Like I know where they are. <laughs> yeah. And um, I'm gonna pay for their dinner and their food and their clothing and their lodging for the rest and their of their medical lives. treatment. And their medical treatment yep. and their books and their whatever um they should have been put to death and that right. would have been earthly justice <laughs> before they yep. went to meet the judge of all the earth who does right and then so yeah it's just like oh when you hear these stories you have to remember that and you have to like lean on god's promises for justice because like yeah that's a horrible that's hor- that's horrible yeah just a very like if it wasn't so horrible there's this like weird there's this weird weird part of it that is like funny like such a weird miraculous set of circumstances that i don't mean funny haha i just mean like like what an insane like how how could this happen you know it's crazy yeah right and that like that's even the police officer he's he's not thinking this kid is really shot in the head this kid's lying this kid's on something this whatever um and yeah so just a very i don't know yeah i mean definitely tragic i hope yours wasn't so depressing um Um, but I, we might not, I don't know. I just, uh, in a, a part of me was just 
I had heard the case before and then even learning that there was wrong things that were wrong about it because the information had been pulled from the interrogation and that stuff wasn't right. And then finding that the police had changed some of the information. Like when you go the very first date that I, cause I had only ever seen the interrogation and, um, so yeah, like when, when I went to go start looking it up, it says that she died December 23rd, but her, her headstone says December 25th. And I don't know. It's just like, yeah, uh, there's just something it's a, it's a weird, almost impossible situation. And I definitely don't think the protocol should be based off of the weird one-off situations, but, um, I don't know. It just, uh, we're, you know, we're just, we're just here to tell you a story that we like, that we think is interesting. Um, and I don't know personally how I would behave if I was in the story. I think maybe we kind of, um, when we hear stories that are true, sometimes we do insert ourselves a little bit inappropriately, like, well, if I was this, this, and this, I would never have whatever, you know, but, um, yeah. But meanwhile, yeah, if I you just, just, if you walk onto that scene, it's like, yeah, this is, there's so many red flags going off here. Right. Um, yep. and this is an atypical story in terms right. of how that it's, it's, a it's crazy how that went down. Yeah. So it's easy to judge the police officer. Um, but I mean, the judge of all the earth will do right. That's, that's all. What, can, yeah. That's right. the hope. Yeah. So I don't know. Maybe this was just me like retelling the story with what I hope are the accurate details. But also the documentary that I watched was very, there was definitely this very anti-police bent and they just wanted to slam this guy, which I mean, again, I stand by my increased responsibility. Um and I do just, I think, like, I do think our, I think our police officers, like, I want to have police officers that are the type of people who are like, I have to say something if I did something wrong. I have to be honest about it. You know, um, that is the kind of responsibility that you're signing up for. Um, so, I don't know. Uh, it's just go watch the interrogation. You don't have to, but it is interesting, certainly. And you just feel for the parents and the families and all that. So anyway. Well, you guys, <laughs> I will, I can't make any promises about my story. <laughs> There's never, some stories just they're they're interesting and they're good stories to be told but there's not a great way to end them other than that god is sovereign and he there's there is justice in the end right yep this is where i'll remind you guys um that i because again you guys are asking me every single week what was that song i made a playlist i made a playlist for you it's on spotify if you look up sheologians 2024 you can see all of the songs follow along if you want to or don't it's okay 
We're not offended. But if you're ever like, I don't know that song, I have saved it for you. You guys know that week to week, there are very few things I'm willing to keep track of. I don't have a she and her list. I don't know what day it is, but (laughs) I am going to keep track of and keep it on the playlist for you guys. So you don't have to ask. You can just go there and find it. And um, if you, like me, were not a Spotify person um, just a couple years ago, because I was vehemently anti-Spotify and I was hardcore Apple music and I'm not anymore, but you can just go see it. If you don't have Spotify, you can still see it there. It's fine. It's okay. Everything's fine. All right. Do we need to tell him anything else? (laughs) I think that's it. (laughs) Okay. I told him everything. Yeah. Plus, plus some. Plus some. Okay, great. Plus we almost promised to depress them again next week. So, you know. My promise is that you'll at least learn something weird. (laughs) That's my promise. You'll learn something weird. That's really what these storytelling episodes are about, right? You'll learn something (laughs) weird is is all I can promise you for next week. So that's it. You guys can leave us a voicemail at 470-465-0475 and we'll see y'all next week. See ya. Well, Reverend, Reverend, please come quick. Cause I got something to admit. I met a man I Sticks, a good old miss. It's over series tank Cadillac and wore a cigar on his lip. Don't you know the devil wears a suit and tie? Saw him driving down the 61 in early July. Wide as a cotton, feeling sharp as a knife. I heard him howling as he passed me by.